This is WRAL News, your number one source for local news. Right now in WRL News at 7, the countdown to phase one is on. Good evening, I'm Gerald Owens. And I'm Deborah Morgan. Thank you for joining us. This half hour, David Crabtree's exclusive interview with the governor about the decision. Will phase two happen by Memorial Day? And was there pushback to implement phase one? Also new this hour, a first look at how you might be able to watch your favorite teams in person. Sports, social distancing, and spectators. I'll speak with an architect who is creating seating plans like this for venues across the country. But we begin with Mark Boyle. He's in the Live Center. Keeping an eye on the data which holds the key to the reopening plan. Mark? You just said it, Deborah. It is key, and the state is watching these metrics very closely as we get very close to phase one here at the end of the week. Take a look at the number of cases, the average new cases here. This number for the COVID-19 is going up. You can see the dark blue dotted average right there, that dash mark. It is headed in the wrong direction. We'll see how that looks tomorrow when the new numbers are out. This next graphic right here, the positive test. So of all of the tests coming back to the state, 6% tested positive. If you look over this as a whole, it certainly is moving in the right direction. We hit our peak according to the state in mid-April. Lastly, here this evening, the number of hospitalizations continues to be high, but there is a bit of a tick down. So from uh, the previous day, 534, most recently reporting 516 people hospitalized. Again, that number going down, if not less leveling, so the state considers that good. Back to you. All right, thank you, Mark. Daycares and summer camps are trying to figure out how to operate during phase one. WRL Fayetteville reporter Gilbert Bay shows us how two groups in Cumberland County are getting ready. Well, I'm inside the Boys and Girls Club here on Cumberland Road in Fayetteville, and I might as well take the mask off because there's no one in here. You can see the sporting equipment is idle, and normally this room would be packed with about 75 kids. The big question now, what's going to happen for summer camp? This is what summer camp should look like. Kids swimming, gathering, and having a good time. This is what it could look like because of the coronavirus. You know how kids are, five, six, seven-year-olds, they're crawling all over each other. They don't understand social distancing. Don Williams runs the Boys and Girls Club in Cumberland County. Normally, his club on Cumberland Road is packed during summer camp. He says this year things will be different. What we're going to have to do is we're going to have to come up with a way to be able to not allow as many kids as we normally would have seen come into the program just because we want to care for their safety as well. Things will be different for child care centers opening under phase one of the governor's reopening plan. Irma Mazel is the director of the kinder care on Ramsey Street in Fayetteville. She says some daycare centers will face challenges. She has a safety coordinator responsible for taking temperatures of children when they enter the building. She actually made sure that the playground was uh, sanitized, made sure that the doorknobs, she did a wipe down of toys on a regular basis. So those are things that, you know, have to make sure you have the extra staff to do that. So there are an awful lot of kids, including me, looking forward to the summer. Now, if summer camp does happen, everyone agrees it's going to look a lot different than it has in the past. In favor of Gilbert Bay's WREL News. The governor did not address the media at today's briefing, but he did speak exclusively with David Crabtree about the decision to begin reopening and the concerns from many business owners already looking forward to phase two. This is an update you will only see on WRAL. Governor Cooper, thanks for talking with us. The decision was announced yesterday. Phase one begins Friday afternoon at five o'clock. Was it a difficult, tough decision to make? 
It's not, David, because we're making it on data and science and facts. And we set out our seven indicators that we're looking at, and we believe that because of the hard work of the people of North Carolina, we meet the threshold of having flattened the curve and either leveling or mostly decreasing on these in indicators and having more testing that we're doing. So we think we're ready to do this. This is a cautious step, and we think it's important to do this with care and, and not haste. The stay-at-home order is still in effect, but now people can do more things and can engage in commerce with more retail stores. We've eliminated the distinction between essential and non-essential businesses. So it's, it's a small step, but I think it's an important step. We know that we need to provide a boost to our economy, but public health needs to stay number one. And I believe that the people of North Carolina can do this and do it well. We're gonna to try to save as many lives as we can, but we understand that uh, people do need to get out and people do wanna work and play more. And we hope this provides that opportunity. I know that trends can change, but based on what you are seeing right now and what you have seen over the past 14 days, as we look even beyond Friday and toward that huge Memorial Day weekend, which basically signifies the beginning of summer, what percentage of a chance would you give to phase two happening before Memorial Day? That's really hard to say, uh, David. It is going to depend on looking at testing, tracing, and trends over a 14-day period. We're, we're hopeful. Uh, we. Uh, are continuing to see North Carolinians being careful for the most part. What we warn against is people beginning to ignore safety rules, uh, people beginning to forget that it's important for them to social distance. Uh, it's important for other people, for people to wear a mask, particularly when you can't be six feet apart. You got to keep washing your hands. Uh, this virus has not less left us, and it's going to continue to be out there. And we're going to have to approach things in a new way. And people, I think, for the most part, are doing that. And as we get into the summer, we hope that people can engage in more commerce. We hope that we can get some people who've lost their jobs back to work. But I think that our business community, they know that we really can't boost the economy until people have confidence in their safety. Because you can take away all of the restrictions, but people won't come if they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is to show we're making these decisions based on science and based on the facts that we are seeing in the field and putting requirements on retail establishments and on employers to protect their employees and customers, most of them Think, know that's good business anyway. Uh, talked to a car dealer who saw someone who was timid coming in, but when she saw that the salesperson had a mask on, that there were signs that things were being cleaned often and that they were socially distant, she immediately relaxed and was able to pick out a car and do her business there. And it's because she had confidence that that was going to be a safe place. And that's what we all have to do for each other if we're going to boost our economy and save lives at the same time. Governor, for several days uh, in your news conferences, and I think the last time we talked, you talked about the importance 
of having talks with business leaders across the state. You just mentioned the automobile dealer there. Earlier yesterday, uh, the head of the Chamber of Commerce was really pushing statewide for restaurants to open, was pushing for more than what you were willing to do. By 6 o'clock last night in our newscast, he had backed off significantly. Can you take us inside, give us some insight to your conversations with business leaders? Was there a lot of pushback? There was some pushback from business leaders. There are some who want to drop all restrictions. And I just don't think that that is responsible. We have to do this in stages. And particularly when you have these kinds of businesses where social distancing is very difficult, where people are sitting or standing close together for more than 10 minutes, the evidence shows that there is a much greater chance of transferring the virus in those kinds of situations. And that's why the state has not moved into opening restaurants and bars and hair and nail salons. And I know people are ready to get back to that. And already our health people are talking uh, in, in pretty constant conversations with restaurants and hair salons and others to try to figure out the very best safety protocols. And if our numbers show that we can do this in a careful way as we enter phase two, then we want to do that. But we want to be cautious about it, and we want to make sure that when that does happen, we're doing it the right way. And if we see a spike in these numbers and we see more people who contract the disease and we see our hospitalizations go up, then we're going to have to think twice about whether we go into phase two and we could potentially stay in phase one. We just don't know yet. It's going to depend a lot on the people themselves to make sure they take the steps to keep this virus from spreading. And I think more and more people are becoming aware of the rules. They care about each other. You know, having a heart disease or having diabetes shouldn't be a death sentence for you. Uh, we hope these people live long and, and healthy lives, but we know that they are more at risk for COVID-19 and are more at risk of dying if they contract this virus. And we, all of us, have to work to make sure that our, those people, our families, our friends are protected. And I have confidence that the people of North Carolina can do that. Governor Cooper, in the meantime, we'll all emotionally, collectively hold our breath and just hope for the best. We appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thanks, David. Attending sporting events as fans could still be months away. Next on WRL News at 7 o'clock, how stadiums could look here in the Triangle and what fans can expect in arenas and stadiums around the country. Plus. So these patients, they look, I mean, it's, it's like watching someone drown. The stressful process of keeping patients alive by intubation, a process we have not heard much about in our area until now. Our latest video blog from Duke ER nurse Ashley Wheeler ahead. You're watching coverage you can count on with WRAL News. They're hoping football will take place regardless, but may be with or without fans. And that was during our WRL town hall yesterday. Chapel Hill Mayor Pam Hemminger discussing the potential for football in the fall. It's still up in the air for how it might look. 
And with the NFL expected to release its schedule tomorrow, it is safe to say the show will go on, just not in the way we're used to seeing it. Here to discuss what it may look like around the country is uh, Don Barnum. He's an architect with a specialty in stadiums and sporting venues. Don, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure to be here. Don, how will the overall fan experience change from the time fans arrive to the time they leave? Well, I think that the first thing we have to instill, and uh, very many of the same principles we just heard the governor talking about really apply to stadiums. How do we make fans feel that they're going into a safe environment? And how do we instill that confidence that they're in, in a safe environment? And I think it really starts as you enter the building. You know, we're normally packed into a group really tight next to each other. We have to space that out with queuing controls. I think there no longer will be any personal transactions of a person taking a ticket. There will be a opportunity for you to scan without that kind of contact. I think we've all learned how to get food service by ordering on our phone, uh, going to pick it up at Chipotle over the last two months. That's mm -hmm. going to become the norm inside the inside the arenas and inside the stadiums. And the big thing is eliminating seats. I mean, what would a traditional seating bowl look like with the application of social distancing? Well, if you could pull up the first diagram that I had, um, we've taken a very strict interpretation of a six-foot uh, buffer around any fan or any group of fans. And it really demonstrates that we can only put about 15% of the fan capacity in the building. So if you can imagine going to Cameron Indoor or the Dean Dome with only uh, groups of two, four, six, maybe seats, and they're spaced out as far as this diagram shows, that environment is going to be completely different. Now, we hope that this is never really even the case, that it might be more relaxed mm -hmm. and more like the second diagram that I had to show, uh, where we could have groups of six, eight, up to 10. 10 has sort of been the magic number mm -hmm. of, um, of groups. So it could be a group of friends that you trust, the people you brought to this environment. But still, that only accomplishes about a 30% occupancy in the building. So maybe this is phased in from 15 to 30 to 45 to 60% over time. But we're helping our uh, building owners and operators figure out what those things look like uh, and how they can treat their fans when they come in. Wow, that is a huge reduction. Now, how would the solutions you're working on apply to some of the big venues here in North Carolina? Well, I've had the opportunity to be in uh, virtually every building in North Carolina at some point. And again, what we're really trying to do is instill that, that fan confidence, um, help our operators prepare for bringing the people back in. I think a lot of things inside are, may look like what you're seeing in your grocery stores and uh, hardware stores now with marks on the ground uh, to instill safe distancing from your, from your patrons. But I think it's mm -hmm. going to require a lot of um, just individual responsibility to treat yourself and the people around you in a careful way so that we can all feel safe in these environments. And certainly sporting events will make us feel like we're getting closer to normal, but uh, these things have to be done. It's just not going to be the same. Absolutely. Ed. I think that it's a really important part of our social fabric that we're able to gather at these kind of events and performing arts and church and all the other things that make us, um, you know, a community. Right. Don Barnum, we really appreciate your time and uh, good luck with your project. 
All right, thank you very much. It's not often we hear about the struggles COVID-19 patients go through once they're in the hospital. This is why Duke Health allowed ER nurse Ashley Wheeler at Duke Regional to video blog her experiences at the end of the day. For the first time, we hear about the intubation process and why it's so difficult for health officials and patients. We have had to intubate patients recently. And, um, you know, I know some people know what that means and there's been a lot of discussion about intubation and about ventilators uh, but essentially what we have to do is um, give medication to sedate a patient so that they're not uncomfortable and uh, aware of what we're doing um, then we give them medication to paralyze their muscles so that their body will allow us to pass a tube down their airway and into their lungs so that we can attach them to the ventilator and uh, provide oxygen and uh, pressure support or whatever they may need because these patients are usually uh, extremely tired they've been working so hard to uh, to try and maintain their oxygenation so they're breathing you know 40 50 times a minute sometimes and even with that huge amount of work uh you know sitting still and their body is working so hard it's like they're running uh, a sprint they get tired they still drop their oxygen saturation in their blood and you know brains that don't get enough oxygen are extremely confused and um so these patients, they look, I mean, it's, it's like watching someone drown right in front of you. Um, they might not be in water, but they are not breathing and they are scared and they act erratically. They're very confused and they're usually sometimes um, thrashing and um, unable to acknowledge that we're trying to help them. So it can be pretty chaotic. With face masks in high demand, two Raleigh brothers decided to launch their own line of masks, but with a twist. WRL's Leslie Moreno shows us how successful their launch has been both locally and nationally. After being stuck at home during the coronavirus outbreak, 16-year-old Connor Clark and his 14-year-old brother Dylan launched Copper Safe, a neckwear mask company. It's been really fun for me and my brother to just stay up late at nights working really hard to do something to help the community. They're not just any regular face masks. These are made out of copper, which according to new research can prevent the spread of infectious diseases. Copper is a self-sanitizing, uh, naturally occurring antimicrobial. What our mask is, is it's a protective cloth barrier as recommended by the CDC and the WHO. Copper is just a benefit. The Clark brothers have been selling to families, companies, schools, and local businesses like Pioneer Landscaping. The owner has already purchased the product and is in the process of placing a second order. When I saw that it was uh, created by two young guys, you know, local guys, I thought that was even better. So I love seeing uh, young men and women get out there and, uh, you know, start up a business. The young entrepreneurs have been funding this company on their own. Their goal is to see every American with a copper safe mask starting right here in Raleigh. I realize this is being sold on the Internet nationally, but it's being made right here locally. 
Less than a week after their launch, they've already completely sold out. They're now in a second round of manufacturing. It's really, really cool to see people wearing these out in public, to see people local ordering them. And uh, it's just been really great and uh, a lot of fun to see uh, our community doing well. Boy, they teenagers. Yeah, they are really getting the most out of their situation at home, but that's putting your mind to good use. Excellent. And you're Great making job, money. Guys. I gotta that find was, out where to get one of those. I'm telling you, have a WRL <laughs> logo on it. That'd somewhere. be nice, yeah. That was Leslie Moreno reporting. And that does it now for our news at seven o'clock here on WRL. Our next newscast is at 10 on Fox 50 and at 11 right here on WRL. We'll see you then. Have a great night, everybody.